Welcome to One Tired Teacher, episode 191. Why are teachers so grief-stricken over banning books in elementary school? So today, we're going to talk about another heavy topic. I will admit that last week on episode 190, I was really struggling. I was really upset. I was very frustrated. And I felt like it was important to talk about it. And when I created this podcast like four years ago, it's been a really long time now, um, I wanted to be able to talk about some of the trials of teaching. I also wanted to talk about the treasures. I wanted to talk about the good things. I wanted to be supportive. I wanted to offer tips and advice and strategies and, you know, um, helpful motivation because it's, it's a hard job. It can be such a hard job. And I thought it was really important to be able to speak to teachers because I have been in education since 1997 and I feel so passionate about kids and learning and teachers and being empowered and feeling, feeling good about the things that we're doing in classrooms. And sometimes I don't think what we're doing is good. And I get really frustrated with what is happening and which is one of the reasons that I left teaching, as many of you know, and I left teaching, I left the classroom. It's been quite a while now. And I moved into some different roles inside of the school system for a bit and was a student support specialist and media specialist. Then I resigned completely. And I was so certain that it that I was finished, that I pulled out my retirement, I completely quit, I, um, which was pretty massive. And then I came, I went back, I, I healed a little, I spent two years working on creating materials for teachers and courses and things like that. And then I went back and I was a student sports specialist again. And then I was a media specialist again. And then I left again, because I was so again, once again, disappointed and discouraged in the things that we prioritize. I felt like we prioritize testing. I felt like we prioritize one way of thinking, one way of learning. I felt that students, that we didn't celebrate students' differences, their different ways of thinking, their different ways of living and being. I felt like we weren't prior to prioritizing the love of reading and the love of learning and I also felt kind of bullied by my um, assistant principal and some of the people in my school. And so I, I, I was pretty heartbroken and I wasn't as heartbroken at the first time. The first time was like major grief. The second time I feel like I could have continued in that role for a while as a media specialist because what I was doing was working and kids were excited and kids were reading and kids wanted to be in there. And I felt like I was making an impact in this way that was not necessarily recognized, but I didn't care about that. I cared about the kids being happy but that was just not good enough or that was not important enough for the admin. And that's really upsetting and sad. And so anyway, so I felt like it was important to have a voice that to give teachers a voice who felt like they often needed to be silenced or quiet. And I think we feel that way as teachers, we're afraid to get in trouble, we're afraid to go against the grain, we we tend to be rule followers, we tend to, you know, want to do what's right. And it 
sometimes isn't always right. And so that's that's frustrating. So today, this is like the longest intro ever. Today, I want to talk about why we are feeling from because I've heard from from several different teachers. I've read lots of posts on Facebook and things on TikTok and Instagram and and I know how I feel personally about the idea of banning books in elementary school. And I want to talk a little bit about it. And I want to share a post that was written by a teacher and I want who I actually asked to come on the podcast. I really wanted her on the podcast, but we're not friends on Facebook, so I'm not sure she saw my message. And um, but I I was so like kind of proud of her bravery for putting this out there. And she just says it so well that I actually want to share it with you. And I want to talk a little bit about it. I wish I could talk to her personally, but I want to talk to you a little bit about about it because I feel like it's so important. It's so necessary. And I feel like these kind of conversations need to be occurring more and they need to be shared with parents and we need to be shouting these things from the rooftop because I think this is really a dangerous place that we're in when we are banning we're banning things from classrooms and not allowing all students to have access to information and learning. And I think it's a, it's a scary time. So I hope you stick around. Welcome to One Tired Teacher. And even though she may need a nap, this teacher is ready to wake up and speak her truth about the trials and treasures of teaching. Here she is wide awake. Wait, she's not asleep right now, is she? She, she is awake, right? Okay. From Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, your host, Trina Debery. Hey, so before we get started, I do want to tell you that I know that oftentimes teachers, they kind of feel alone because especially after the last couple of years where there's been a lot of criticism, there's been a, of a lack of a lack of empathy, a lack of understanding, a it almost feels like for a little while when the pandemic first occurred, like we realized how much we needed teachers because parents were all of a sudden having to teach their kids at home. And it was like, it ended up being a lot for them and they felt overwhelmed and they were like, oh, thank goodness for teachers. That lasted for like two seconds. And then it was like, oh, we don't, you know, we just need them to be back in school and they're such complainers and these teachers don't want to be in there. And which was so stupid and ridiculous. And, um, and then they, you know, got mad at us because we didn't want to be glorified babysitters, essentially. And that felt like that was the most important aspect was making sure that we had full time babysitters in in the classrooms. And, and we didn't care about their health, we didn't care about their well being, we didn't care about a lot of those things. And it was upsetting. And so it still continues to be that way. And then also recently I had this conversation with my hairdresser who I love, but we have very different thoughts on the world. And one of the things she was talking about was having a client who, who had spoken to a, um, a student that, I mean, a teacher that had a kindergarten teacher that had spoken to their student about something that she didn't feel like was appropriate. And I felt like instantly defensive because I'm like, first of all, how how rare is that? And, um, and then secondly, you know, we want to be a safe space for kids. So when they talk to us about hard things, we want to be able to, to be there for them. And we've, 
been asked to do so many different jobs and wear so many different hats. And then all of a sudden, when it doesn't feel appropriate to others, they get mad. And they want us to report students on various things. And I just I'm like, we can't tell kids to come to us with with like scary things. And then we and then have kids know that we can report them at any moment if it's something that society deems is inappropriate. So that's confusing. That's a confusing message to send to students. It's a confusing message to send to teachers. And it really puts us in a, a difficult situation. I also want to say that the majority of teachers, especially in the elementary school level, and that's what I'm talking to. I'm not talking about high school. I'm not talking about college. I'm not even talking about middle school. I'm talking about elementary school. In elementary school, there's a lot of information that we are actually not teaching students. We're not talking to students about that. We're not bringing them up in our classroom. But it feels like all of a sudden there's this, you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that thing going on. And like, like we're sitting there having these inappropriate conversations. And it's just so frustrating. It's really a frustrating situation. So what has happened recently? And a variety of states, one of which is the state that I live in, Florida, is we're deciding that books are, some books are not appropriate, and we don't want them to be in the classroom. So instead of finding the few books that are on this banned book list, which again, like some of the books that are on the banned book list, especially at the high school level, I will say that really quick about high school, were books that we had to read in high school. So I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So it, it just, it's so stupid. So anyway, um, instead of taking those out, they want teachers to, to create these spreadsheets of books and list every book they have in their classroom and determine if it's a, an appropriate title. Well, first of all, what a waste of time. Wh- who's t- whose time are they taking for this? I, I had, I'm not even exaggerating, thousands and thousands of books in my classroom. I created a massive classroom library because I thought it was so important for kids to have all kinds of books to choose from because that's what gets kids excited about reading is lots of different choices, lots of different options, books that have characters that look like them, characters that, you know, live like them, characters that are different as well, but there's we just want a lot of choice for kids when they're learning how to read. It's so essential. And to turn around and say I'm going to have to put in a spreadsheet, every single book that I have in my classroom would have taken months. It, it's just such an unrealistic, outrageous, ridiculous waste of time. Those are the kinds of tedious tasks that people think don't seem like a big deal that are such a big deal and so ridiculous. And And I also ask, like, first of all, how many books are at the elementary level that are considered inappropriate? Um, I don't even think the list is very long. Why can't we just look for those few books and get them out of there? Like that, that doesn't, it's again, not trusting the educator, which is infuriating. All right, I want to share this post because I think this teacher said it so well that I feel like she hit on points that are so important to share and so, so well. And I reposted, I shared it on my, on my personal Facebook, um, 
account. And I, I, I definitely feel like this is despicable. It's dangerous. And it's disturbing on so many levels. And the person, the teacher's talking about Texas, but I said it's happening in Florida as well. And then I said, I had thousands of books in my classroom. I taught hundreds of children how to read and to love reading during my career. That was my number one goal every year in my classroom was for kids to walk out of there loving to read. Every student, it was a personal goal. And I even had a kid one year that told me that they hated reading. I met her in kindergarten and I knew I was destined to have her. And I did two years later. And I was like, I knew when I met you that you were going to be in my class, but I'm going to show you how to love reading. And she's like, nope, I'm not going to. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, you, you, that's all right, but I'm, I'm going to try. And she's like, Okay. So, and I did, and she loved it. And it was like a personal challenge. And it, it, it was the best feeling ever because she was bound and determined to hate it for the rest of her life. You have to hook them. You've got to hook them. Anyway, I could go on and on about ways of teaching kids to love reading. And I actually have a podcast episode about how to it, like how to get them to hate reading, and then also how to get them to love reading. And I'll link to that in the show notes, because I think those episodes, I, those are like two of my favorite episodes, just so you know, so I, I will link to them in the show notes. But anyway, I said that my heart is broken over this. I actually cussed on my personal page because I feel like it is and I feel like it's manipulative. I feel like it's brainwashing. I feel like we, what if we simply didn't do it? What if we said, no. If you want these cat- categorized, listed, whatever, send in some people, volunteers, people from the district, even people from the government, send them in and let them do the work. And if they want to cu- put them all on a spreadsheet, go for it. And I, But I'm not doing that. What if we all said no? The thing is, is that we use fear and manipulation to scare the hell out of teachers so they feel like if they don't do it, they're going to be strung up and hung. That's what it feels like you, when you, when you hear these like mandates. You, it's like so serious in your mind because because you're living in this scarcity oppressive system that you don't realize that you can say no, and that there is very little they can do, and they will threaten things like we're going to fire you, we're going to take your teaching certificate, which again is really. You have a massive teaching shortage. You're going to fire me and take my teaching certificate because I didn't cat like label or I didn't put my books in a spreadsheet. Where in my contract does it say I need to put my books in a spreadsheet? So that seems insane. So that's my first thing. All right, but here, let's listen to the post. This is written by Emily Clay. She I don't even know what she teaches or I don't know that much about her and I'm saying her name publicly because she posted this publicly, but um, I I hope that it's all right too because I think she did such a good job and she mentioned so many good points. So let's let's get to it. I'll tell you when it's her and when I'm like interjecting. But um, but she also shared a picture of her classroom library, which looks pretty um, impressive and it looks pretty big and it's all organized and and um and it's in baskets and which I love and it's you know, it, it looks great. And I honestly had like three times this library that she has. And I had so many 
more books and not and that's another thing that's kind of inequitable in classrooms like they don't pay for it for you. They don't provide libraries for you. You collect it yourself. I spent thousands of dollars every single year on books in my classroom. Even when my own children were born and were alive, I spent money on books because I wanted kids to have books. And I just felt like it was so important. And also, I'm a collector of books. I just recently spent $300 on books because I'm creating a new resource on the four C's plus one, which is five C's for creativity, community, collaboration, um, or what is it? Critical thinking and curiosity. Anyway, so I went crazy with books. I love books. I, I you know, I interrupted myself in the beginning and then I never finished. I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only teacher that feels really frustrated by this. You're not the only teacher that feels feels heavy and it feels hard. One of the things that I promised myself when I walked away from a school system was that I was never going to walk away from kids and I was never going to walk away from teachers. And then I was going to dedicate my time and my life to helping teachers feel like they could stay in the classroom so that they could inspire a love of learning. So that that's what I try to do. And I want you to know you're not alone. I have created a community. I I have I have an email list that I reach out to and that I try to support. I I send a, an occasional freebie. They're my TDTL listies. I love them. They, you know, they'll write back to me. I'll write to them. If you want to be a part of it, then come on over to Trina Debris Teaching and Learning.com. There's a clear little thing that says become a TDTL listie. You'll get a little freebie as a thank you. I let you know about, you know, deals. I offer deals specifically to you. Sometimes I even ask for feedback from my from my TDTL listies on a resource in exchange. You get the resource for free. I've I just did that recently with my um, Halloween makerspace um, task cards, which are so fun. And I got the best feedback. It was it was so great. Um, and this episode is, is coming out is in October. Yes, coming out in October. So so that you might want to grab those a link to those in the show notes as well. All right. So let's so if you want to be a part of that, I'd love to support you in that way. Um, all right, let's talk about the email. I mean, the post. So here is Emily. Here is my classroom library. This is over 1600 books chosen for my elementary students. This is over a decade and thousands of dollars and countless donations of collecting. This is my students favorite place to go in my classroom. This is where I go when I have a reluctant reader to find something just right to spark their interest. Isn't that, I think that's so beautiful. I'm not done. I'm going to, I'm interjecting. And I felt the same way. This was like, my room was always created around the book nook. Like the book nook was the hub of the classroom. I had my meetings in there. I did my teaching in there. I wanted us to be wrapped. I used to tell the kids this, we're being wrapped and embraced by books. We're be, it's like getting a hug from a book. And I love 
how she talks about that. And yes, it takes a long time to make a collection like that. And that's another thing I, I went off track on is that they don't pay for this. We pay for this ourselves. So some classrooms don't have libraries this massive. And it does make a difference. It makes a difference. All right, back to Emily's post. According to the state of Texas, this is dangerous. This is a place where children may be indoctrinated, indoctrinated, is that how you say that, or exposed to inappropriate content. This is just one more area where teachers cannot be trusted as educational experts. This is a battleground. I'm going to interject again. We're not teaching kids about things that, we're not teaching them about things that their parents wouldn't want them to know. We're not giving them information that they shouldn't have at these young ages. So that is so annoying and frustrating. And that is, again, insane. We're not sharing inappropriate content with five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and even 10-year-olds. And it's such a, it's such a political crap that it's, 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 it's so hard to believe. It's hard to believe that we're in the 21st century and we're acting like we did, you know, hundreds of years ago. All right, back to her post. By November, every single teacher in my district, no matter their grade or subject, has to enter the title, author, and year published for every book in their classroom into a spreadsheet. Then we have to go through a painstaking process to vet each and every book, even if we've read them, even if we grew up reading them, to make sure that real experts have determined that the book content is appropriate for the age level we teach and also enter that data. That is insane. That is a tedious, ridiculous task. And you know what that's going to lead to? This is me interjecting. What that's going to lead to, it's going to lead to teachers taking their classroom libraries home and not putting them out for the kids, which is the real tragedy, because you're asking them to do something so tedious and so stupid. And who are the real experts? Have they actually read the book? That's the other thing. Half the time people get upset and worked up about things that they haven't even read themselves. I know people acted that way about Harry Potter and felt like it was witchcraft and whatever. And I'm like, that you're so missing the point. And have you actually read it? Have you actually read it is the question that I have. <sighs> okay, back to the post. Over the summer, I took every one of these books home and scanned them into my own library system. All I had to do was scan the barcode on the back. This process alone took me over six hours. With this new process, each book alone will take a few minutes. So what I what am I going to do? First of all, that's massive that she did that into her own classroom library. That's that's massive. It's just a and first of all, you have to have a scanner unless I guess you, maybe you're using your phone. But it, it's that's a lot of work. And what is the what is the the point of that? Maybe maybe in her case she wanted to keep track of the books that she had. I was always just knew that every year I was going to lose some, and that's just the way it went. It was just part of the deal for me. I don't know why I would ever need to have a list of every single book that I had, but um, but if somebody feels that's necessary, so she's a little bit ahead of the game. However, the fact is is that this is ridiculous. This is stupid. So. What is she going to do now? So what am I going to do? I already don't have on contract time to do all the things we are required to do. What I'm going to do is box up every one of these books and put them away. And these shelves will be bare. I won't be the only one putting away all of my books. Classrooms across Texas will be bare of libraries because of this. I'm interjecting again. 
This is heartbreaking. This is so heartbreaking. I think I told you about my friend who's a media specialist and they came in and ripped down her makerspace basically so they could hang a stupid TV. Um, and it's, they were like, we need to hang this immediately. And then they haven't yet. And it's been weeks and the walls are bare and the kids are, don't understand. It's That's the problem. The kids don't understand. They're like, where are the books? It's like the Lorax. Where are the trees? That's what it reminds me of. What are we thinking? What are we thinking that we're not going to have kids? They're not going to have books. They're going to have books in the classroom. There's no, do you know what, what it looks like in a classroom? When I was the media specialist in my last school, there was a teacher that came in and brand new teacher. She didn't have books yet. There was no books for the kids. I had so many extra books of my own that I, and I'd already given my classroom library away the first time I quit. I gave my whole entire classroom library to a new teacher. It was like she had the jackpot. I'm not even kidding. It was thousands of dollars. And she had books like galore. But I still managed through the years, through the two years that I was out to collect more books. And so I had a plethora of books. Well, I brought them to the media center to share and also to use as like if kids repeatedly didn't return their book and they forgot every single week, I did put them on like a system of you can check out from from this cart, which was my own personal books and then some donations and things like that so that they didn't walk away without a book. But I also had to teach them that they can't shop from the regular library because they need to be accountable for their book, you know. Anyway, um, so I had plenty. So I put a whole cart together and took it to her classroom so that she could have some books. Now she used it for a long time and then she started getting her own books and she returned it. And I'm like, you don't even need to return it. You can keep it for the whole entire year. In fact, you can keep some of the books completely. Just keep them because I, I wanted to help her build up her library. <sighs> and that's what we should be doing. Anyway, so this is what Emily says. I ugly cried this morning. One of my favorite things about my job is getting emails from parents telling me how enthusiastically their child is now reading at home. I'm sure she was so heartbroken. It's almost, it is like a grief. It's a grief that we feel when we lose something so precious. This would be the breaking point for me. If I was I hadn't already quit, I would quit right now. There's no way. That's my favorite part of, that was my favorite part of being a teacher. There was two things. I loved the light bulb moments and I loved read alouds. I loved reading to the kids. I loved getting them excited about reading. I loved introducing them to new characters, different voices. It was like the actor part of me came out and it was so fun and it meant so much to the kids. How are kids, back to Emily, how are kids going to learn to love to read if they can't hold books in their hands? Putting barriers between kids and books is one of the worst things I can think of. And here's the real kicker. They already have the world at their fingertips. They can find any illicit material they want on the smartphones and tablets that they are parked in front of constantly. So true. This next part is so, so true. Sure, there are some vigilant parents who make sure their children are never exposed to anything that they don't want them to see. And while these parents could have chosen to take their kids to the public libraries themselves and choose books they deem appropriate, instead, they chose to raise up their voices against teachers like me and decide that everyone's child should be restricted. Every child should have to live up to whatever standards they have chosen for their own children. They've made it clear they think they are, we're all in the profession to tarnish and brainwash 
wash their children. This tiny minority of people are the ones who are making things like this happen. And just like with everything else in our underfunded, underrespected, overworked, underpaid, understaffed industry, we're probably all going to roll over and take it. It's so true. It's so true. It feels like the loudest people get what they want. And it just, it surely cannot be the majority of people that feel this way. And if it is, why are we not changing a system? And are there things that can be changed? Yes. Are there teachers that that are not doing what they're supposed to? Absolutely. But let's focus on that, getting them out and allowing the rest of the people to be trusted and nurtured and valued and paid. And then Emily goes on and says, and, and that part was me, by the way. And Emily says, and more teachers will continue to quit. And she goes on to say, I love my students. I would never put anything in my classroom library that I thought might expose them to something inappropriate or too mature. I know I can get parent volunteers to come in and donate their time to help me catalog my extensive collection. But what I'm really mourning is the absolute lack of trust in highly trained educators who have poured their souls into this profession and the children of people who believe we're indoctrinating them. How much more of this can we withstand? It's it's heartbreaking. It's so unbelievably heartbreaking. It's just, it really is. It's shocking. It's shocking that we are trusted so little. It's shocking that we would do something so detrimental to students. It, it really is. And then I had a few comments um, from people that I thought were interesting and one one person I know, she's like, this is all very sad for today's children, but also for future generations. These unreasonable processes discourage amazing people like yourself from pursuing a career in education. And it's true. And then my daughter said this, which I, if you if you listen to that episode with Emily, we talk about like from her perspective, what's wrong in education. I think I might have called her millennial, which by the way, she's a generation Z, um, which was like, I just realized that recently. And I'm like, what a difference I didn't realize. Anyway, um, so she says, the education system is in a disgusting state right now. I'm sad that I am not even shocked by this, just severely disappointed. The worst part is teachers will do this. They will sp- spend unpaid time entering this information because some feel they have no choice and their voice has been taken. So they have forgotten they even have it. That makes me so sad. And that's why I felt like it was so important to share this on the podcast because some people have forgotten that they have a voice. They do have a voice. We do have a voice. We could collectively say no to this. I said back to Emily, I said, you're right. They will respond as if it is the law and their life depends on it because they are ruled by fear and it is heartbreaking. And then someone else said, how are teachers supposed to teach kids to learn to read, read and enjoy reading if they have to access, if they have no access to books and the educational system is a complete disgrace. And then people went on and on and it's just, oh, it's so frustrating. It's so hard. And I guess, I guess my, my message to you 
first of all, I think we need to be sharing this with everyone because if we think it's not going to happen to us, we're wrong. First, I know it's going to happen to 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 me to our state, my state, because I live in one of the stupidest ones, um, in Texas. Yes, so that's another that doesn't surprise me. I've heard this is happening in Tennessee as well. Um, I think there's other places. Thankfully, this won't happen everywhere. We have some smarter, wiser people, but it's it, the fact that it's happening anywhere needs to be a pro, it needs to be shared. It needs to be shared loudly. We need people to know that this is going on and that things like this are happening because this is just the beginning of censorship. Censorship leads down a whole entire road of you not being able to have some freedoms that you currently enjoy. And it's very dangerous. So so I hope that you keep that in mind. And if you're in this situation, I would actually love to hear from you. You can you can email me, you can message me. I'm on Instagram at Trina Debery TNL. And, um, you know, just hit me up in the DMs, let me know what you think. Share this episode with others. Let's also support one another. If you're in a state where this is happening, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm sorry that you're being asked to do something so ridiculous. And and this is a this is a thought. What if you said no? What if you didn't do it? What if you gave them an already existing spreadsheet of books? Would it be the end of the world? <sighs> All right, people. I had a couple of episodes to share where I shared some frustrations. But I am going to share some really great things that are happening in classrooms and in other places. I I asked my T whoops, sorry, I hit the mic. I, I asked my TDTL listies if they I told them I wanted to feature them and I wanted to hear some things that were going on in the classroom because I needed some positivity. So I got back some great responses. I can't wait to share with those with you next week. Also, Lee will be back on the podcast shortly. We just recorded all of November's episodes. So she will be back if you are missing her. I've definitely been missing her. I know she doesn't love to talk about things that are negative. As she says, I am not about positive toxicity. And I feel like I want to give a voice to some of these things. And I think it's important. And that's the whole was the whole premise of this podcast. So I felt like I needed to do a few episodes, sharing some of those those thinking and those feelings. I created this podcast because I felt like I didn't have a voice and I am not going to stifle it. And I wanted to share Emily's voice because I think it was so powerful. Thank you, Emily, if you're listening. Thank you for sharing this, for making people aware. If you do want to come on the podcast, I'd love to have you. I think we could have a really good conversation. Also, um, yeah. I would also love to feature other TDTL listies. Again, if you would like to be a TDL listie and you'd like to join me and also you get a little gift, hop on over to Trina Devery teaching and learning.com and, and sign up until next time, my friend, sweet dreams and sleep tight. 